The swamp without a still is just a tent. A martini without olives doesn't quite make it. And Mash Minute is intended for mature audiences. Start recording. Jason Gould is featured in Prince of Tides, mm -hmm. where he played Barbara Streisand's son in The Prince of Tides. He was probably very good in that role, <laughs> being Barbara Streisand's son. Yeah. He actually wasn't. He was, he was pretty bad at it. Oops. <laughs> Put on your headphones. Listen for the tone of your favorite podcast, Mash Minute. Well, it's a minute-by-minute detailed analysis of the movie without which the series wouldn't exist. Megan and Toonie. And guest will make three. Goddamn army. Mash Minute. Welcome back to Mash Minute, that Movies by Minutes podcast where we definitely talk about Mash and we never go off on tangents. Never. I'm Tierney Steele. I'm Megan Coleman. And I'm Paul Sullivan, the creator of Sully Baseball. I'm so glad you stuck with us through this meandering, weaving, roaming discussion that we're having about your literally favorite scene in the entire movie. Uh, look at I, I'm I'm as guilty as anyone of steering us wrong. You know, I've Captain Phillips this way off course. So. <laughs> I have to say, one of the things I said the most as a new mom, he was so little. I don't even think he could sit up, and he would just look into my eyes, and all I could hear was the guy like, "Look at me, look at me." I'm the captain now. So my friend had nicknamed him captain. I'm just like, and it's true. He just, I just do whatever it takes to keep him alive. And that's all I do 24 hours a day right now. By the way, for anyway. those, of, those of you listening who are, could not possibly be more confused, off the, <laughs> off the air, we were talking about parenting. And then we started this podcast. You're like, oh, and by the way, as we were talking about, yeah, um, they were not privy to that conversation. But that's neither here nor there. Magic editing. I know. Today, I swear, we are going to talk about Minute 24, yeah. which begins, we might talk about other things, but we are going to talk about Minute 24, which starts with Trapper John adding an olive to his martini, and it ends with practically the whole camp gathered around to watch Trapper John operate. So yep. it's still Trapper John Minute, it's just got a change of location. This cut could only have been worse if it was over a weekend, so thanks at least for that, the way the minutes split up. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, they stepped on the punchline, you know, that they, it just doesn't quite, what, doesn't quite what? And make it and drops it in, so. And it's um, so perfectly, the, the, the follow and the splash and, and everything. the cut. Yeah. Everything. I had seen in an interview with Elliot Gould, um, where he talked about how he watched a lot of Groucho Marx to hone his persona of Trapper John. And I think you can see it. There's a, there's, I mean, it comes out really, really strong. The, the Groucho-isms come out very strong when they do the scene on the helicopter pad and play golf. Mm -hmm. And, and, and button up your, your shirt, for Christ's sake. This is a military army. But there is a great sense of, Timing and one of the things that in the best Marx Brothers films, there's always a there's a middle finger quality to the Marx Brothers comedy to things take down things that are highfalutin, whether it's you know high, higher education and horse feathers or government in Duck Soup or the opera and Night at the Opera. There's always 
you know, they're going to come in like a bulldozer on these highfalutin things, which makes the humor really, you know, work. And there is an element to that with Trapper and, and with Hawkeye that they're taking, you know, the military, religion, all these different things that they that you're not supposed to make fun of, that they do indeed make fun of in this film. And I think that there's, there is that element that Trapper has as kind of a middle finger, you know, especially I think most when they go to, to Japan and they put Colonel Merrill under the anesthesia and everything. But it, it's a connection that I didn't make until I heard that interview many, many years later. And I, another film that I watched on the movie Lost, they, they played Duck Soup around the same time. Mm-hmm. I fell in, around the time I fell in love with MASH, I also fell in love with Horse Feathers and Duck Soup, which I think are the two greatest Marx Brothers films. I, I, it's funny, I didn't make the connection. I loved Groucho so much, and I loved Elliot Gould as Trapper so much. And it, and it wasn't until, I, I mean, it wasn't until the YouTube era, because I, I saw this interview with, with Elliot Gould on YouTube where he talked about the Groucho connection, and I'm like, oh, man, yeah, that totally, that totally makes sense now that I think about it, that they are, they are similar, if not in the delivery, then certainly in the subtext. And then we cut to such a typical Altman... Oh, gosh, so Altman. ...scene. And, and he was right, because as we see... By the end of the, before the end of this minute, there is another operation going on. Even though Trapper John is clearly the center, the gathering, the big brouhaha, there is another surgery being done. It looks like Bandini, but it could be Dr. Sachs too. And it looks like that table has a female gas passer, which, woohoo, feminism, sort of. You gotta take it where you can in this exactly. movie, okay? I was about to say, and I, not, I don't see this as a, a proud, especially this minute, is not a really a proud <laughs> No, next then. minute is the one that oh, oh, it's uh, next one. gets That's my that... dukes up. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah. No, this minute I'm okay with because I get to talk about military libraries, which I almost went into, which is super exciting. Mm. So, um... it, yeah, it's funny that you see, you see Bandini is doing... Yeah, he's in the in the in, in especially in, in second forty three. You see Bandini and the the female anesthesiologist are doing are doing a surgery, but you see Henry and some other nurses are basically watching Trapper, yeah. Yeah. and Hawkeye is assisting Trapper. Like Hawkeye is one of the the head surgeons there, and he is he's helping out. And then of course the great touch of you see Painless and Radar and Bulmer yeah. and everyone. Yeah. Poking their, I think you see Boone for a second, sort of poking their nose and like they're watching someone really, you know, they're watching someone really good at their game. And it's funny that, oh yeah, Dago Red is next to Radar in one scene. Yeah. It's funny that like these scenes have to be there. Like when I used to rewatch MASH like crazy in my teens, I didn't say, oh, it's one of the surgery scenes, great. And let's rewatch that scene. You know, obviously I watched. Hot Lips and Frank over the PA, all the funny scenes that I would watch. But you have to have these scenes for really, for the thematic reason of let's not forget why they're there. That, you know, they're, they're, this isn't just, hey, we're having fun in Korea. No, they're, they're patching up soldiers who have shrapnel in them. But you have to have this scene as well because this scene gives Trapper his power. Like, how does he get away with it? How does he get away with being disrespectful for everyone? How does he get away with 
later in the movie punching Frank Burns, who's a major, in front of another major and a colonel. He gets away with it because he's so good at it. He's such a good surgeon. It's how we get there. Why do they fly him out to Japan? They fly him out to Japan because he's so good. And so they've set up in the scene where they need a chest cutter. You know, forget it. No mass unit has his chest cutter in that in that great scene in Henry's office. But you need to have this scene that he's not just the funny guy with all the stuff in his jacket, but he's really good at his job to the point where his surgery becomes something that everyone wants to watch. Want, they want to watch him at work. He's almost he almost has a uh, kinship with House. You know, the show House. Mm-hmm. where he gets away with all this stuff because he's so good at his job. But this is just a great this is a great subtext moment in the film. But they the chess cutter has we've wanted a chess cutter. Mm-hmm. The chess cutter has arrived. The chess cutter is funnier than Frank mm-hmm. and the chess cutter and they got the right guy. Yeah. And so this is for the rest of the movie, this is one of these things that like what Red Letter Media would say in the Mr. Plinkett review is like say you, you know you didn't notice it, but your brain did. This is a scene that you didn't quite figure out why this scene was important. Or I didn't figure out why this scene was important when I kept watching this movie. But it's critical. Because the whole film relies on the fact that Hawkeye and Trapper get away with everything. And part of the reason they get away with everything is they're so good at their job. Yeah. And, Fra- and, 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 Frank's, and Frank sucks at his job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You can be making the same face as Radar and still appreciate what he's doing. Yeah. And the description of it, like, there are some scenes in this film that are pretty gory, especially the scene right after Frank leaves and the the patient spitting up blood on the operating room table. There are some scenes that are legitimately gory. This, you don't see a lot. You just see, you know, you hear what's happening. You hear that they're opening stuff up. You see a lot of towels and, and it being bloody. But it's a lot of it's to your imagination. And uh, people have talked about how gory these scenes are. And there, it's re- a lot of it's with, with that one. I mean, there's that one that is very grisly. But most of it's suggested. Yeah. And hearing the banter, of course, one piece of banter later becomes yeah, somewhat we'll problematic. Get, we'll get there. Um, we'll get there. But this is not the most fun scene in the movie. But it is certainly, uh, it's an important one. And shows the relationship that even, you know, that Hawkeye is willing to be... Hawkeye and Duke are acting assisting. as... Yes, assisting. And Henry, who I'm assuming is doing surgery of his own, is watching. And is that... Who is who's that in front of... You got Duke there. You can see Hawkeye there. Who else is, who else is doing that? What are you looking at? Around second 23. Who's in front there? Oh. Is it Jetson? I think it's Judson. Judson, sorry, Judson, yeah. I think, I think. By the way, um, the actor Tim Brown, who plays Judson in the film, played Spirit Chucker on the TV show for the two or three episodes that Spirit Chucker was a character on the yes. TV show. Yes, yes. And then later was in another Robert Altman film, Nashville, where he played Tommy Brown, the African-American country singer. So he became an Altman regular after mash not an after mash but after the movie. <laughs> that always gets us yep. yes they, it's like they needed it on purpose but a few things that i picked out in this minute he asked for a diva retractor 
which as soon as I Googled it, I was like, yep, I've seen that in 7 billion episodes of the TV show MASH. It's used to hold back the abdominal wall in an abdominal or thoracic surgery. So it's perfect. Normal right here. That's what he would be calling for. It looks like the things they use at the orthodontist and the dentist only bigger, yeah. obviously. <laughs> and then I went on a little bit of a deep dive because they talk about the camp library. Yeah. And these Himmels <laughs> that have been donated. Um, so the Inv Evangelical United Brethren Church was a real thing. It was only formed in 1946, which seemed new. It technically merged with United Methodists in 1968, but I'm assuming that was, like, these churches would still be around. It's not, like, wrong that it's in this movie. It's yeah. not, like, some horrible anachronism or anything. And it makes sense that there would be a library at, well, I don't know about at a MASH unit. I don't know the details, but a military base would certainly have the camp library. There would be someone in charge of it. That would usually be someone in the military, although they do hire civilians, not during wartime, not right, out yeah. in the field. And so there's a lot of information on the different types of libraries and what you want to be involved in. And if it's academic, the different service universities. And so I just was geeking out real bad because I looked at that as a possible career path. But I also was thinking about the times I've heard about book drives during times of war. And I'm assuming, yeah. Megan, that as a librarian, you, you know, we both are. You've also, I read When Books Went to War. I've read about yes. the little paperback versions and how that became the standard size because it fit into a pocket and the horribleness of hosting a book drive for soldiers and what they would mostly get donated were like kids' books and the crap because people think that libraries are a place to get rid of the crap you don't want. Mm, yeah. Here's your That's... opportunity for a PSA if as a public librarian you would <sighs> like to make one. Um please we don't want your moldy readers digest editions and yeah we don't want your crap. <laughs> yeah. just, and we'll just what cut they would to the say chain. during World War 1 and World War 2 was, "Hi, please think about who is a soldier or a sailor and maybe what they would be interested in reading? Yeah, so we did a book drive at my library for children specifically, specifically for places that work with low income or families going through transition, if you will. So they would have books in the waiting rooms that they could then take home. Mm. And we told people, like, we want new or like new books, like things that kids would read today. And we would get, like, Hardy Boys that had clearly seen better days from, like, the 70s. And we're like, yeah. You know, five-year-olds don't want to read Hardy Boys. They can't always read Hardy Boys. I have nothing yeah. against Hardy Boys, but it still happens. <sighs> I, I, I think Hardy Boys, they had their day. They had their day. Yeah. Well, or it's like um, or, I knew people who work for the JFK library, and they said they still constantly have people sending them copies of the Life magazine from after Kennedy was assassinated. And, and I'm like, sure they only have 50 zillion we, copies already. Yeah, yeah we, got we've got it. We, we got, got it. it. We're aware. We're fine. And the problem is um, it's one of the institutions that has run into problems where they, like, had one, that, and it was like, well, this isn't in good shape. We don't need this. They put it in recycling, and someone was like, they threw it away. <laughs> yeah, that, and yeah. it's just yeah. like, yeah, um, yeah libraries yeah. discard we discard things. books. Archives we, discard things. We, like, we try to be quiet about it so the public doesn't get mad. 
but yeah. uh, I don't want your moldy books. No one wants your moldy books. So <laughs> just do yourself a favor and, you know, it doesn't bring you joy anymore, right, in the Marie Kondo sense. So just uh, let it go. So in let me ask you, <laughs> is the name of this episode going to be No One Wants Your Moldy Books? <laughs> no One Wants Your Moldy Books. Nobody wants your If you take himmels. anything else away from that, himmels. Himmels. <laughs> Yeah, right. Oh. I love I love the origin. I'm sure you guys have talked about it, the origin of the announcers. The, uh. the, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm sure that's, that they're that's, real. <laughs> yeah, and that they were that was a creation in the editing. That how does we gonna have you know a through line? They had and they had the actor who played Volmer, basically just sitting in a recording booth at Fox, mm-hmm. saying these things to to be sort of a connective tissue. And it's just an example of this film which. Without something like that, just this is just a bunch of almost random scenes thrown together. And it's one of the things I think I love about this movie is that you could almost hit shuffle on a lot of these scenes. <laughs> I mean, it's not there's not a plot that's mm-hmm. building up. And it became very clear if you saw this movie why this would make the good basis of a television series. Because the movie seems like a group of episodes that are stitched together. You know, they, we're not. it doesn't build to a climax. I mean, it goes to the football game, but... The, you know, the football game is just something that happens. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, the, the closest thing to a beginning, middle, and end is this is Duke and Hawkeye arrive, Duke and Hawkeye leave. And <laughs> so it's basically, you know, Duke and Hawkeye and their days at the match for 077. Uh, spoiler alert. But you need, you're introduced to characters along the way, and this introduction of Trapper is, you know, Obviously, as we said before, it's really wonderful, but you needed the, the connective tissue being Volmer over the PA yeah. is. And Volmer's the person who would have been making those announcements. Yeah. So mm. it fits perfectly, and he does such a good job. His favorite, I love, we're going to get it soon, where he literally just, like, spells something out. Yeah. He can't figure out how to pronounce it. And so, like, like fl- slipping and saying clamp, I, I mean, camp library, you know, it, it's. My favorite is when he says at seventeen hundred. I mean at eighteen or at seven o'clock this evening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does them so well. And as someone who used to have to make announcements, yeah. oh god, there's nothing scarier. And especially in a situation like that with the loudspeakers, where then you can hear your voice over the loudspeaker while you're still talking. I mean, I thought editing this podcast was bad, but it's not. <laughs> it, it is nothing compared to hearing your voice literally echoing off a mountainside. <laughs> It's just like, I should just hang up. Like, I can't do this. It's funny. When you guys sent me the the clips to watch, MP4s for me to watch of each of the minutes, they are subtitled. At least they're subtitled yeah. on my computer. And it's so interesting to watch, especially the scene in the operating room where everyone's talking over each other yeah. with subtitles. The first, as I mentioned before, when I first saw this movie, I was probably maybe 12 years old, and very much a fan of the TV show. One of the things, I was a bit overwhelmed by how mean-spirited this movie was as as compared to the TV show, but also there was so much talking over each other, I couldn't figure out who I was supposed to be listening to. And remember, I was also watching a pan-and-scan version, so a lot of times the people talking, uh, especially during the painless scenes, are talking off-camera. So who Mm -hmm. the, you know, what the hell is going on here? But watching this subtitled, and there are little lines that I never knew until I was watching it subtitled, like, don't hog the whole operation. Yeah. Uh, I, I never knew that line was in there. And so it's like, God bless, the, God bless the person who wrote the subtitles here. 
We've given them a shout out. Anyone who has subtitled a Robert Altman film, they God should get like you. a special Oscar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Nashville would be insane when there's so many people talking in the foreground, the background. And, mm, yeah. You know. And there's only, I want to say two, I'd have to double check, but I think there's only two times where they literally just like, everyone's talking. Like, no. Like, <laughs> <just> no. <laughs> and even then, they'll pick out if there's something obvious, but... <laughs> I can only think of two. I when they're introduced in the mess tent. Yeah, it's kind of like chatter, with everyone talking yeah. over each other, and then yeah. at the at the party later, before the, the that, starts. The yeah, but when they're you know take her clothes off and bring her to me. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's a, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. A, another scene that used to make me laugh like hell, and now it's like. I can see how that's problematic. Um, <laughs> well, and the thing is, so many people want to be like, well, it was the time. And it's like, no, that was still inappropriate. People just got away with it more. It didn't make it okay. You know, it's like watching Mad Men now. Yeah. That's yeah. not like good behavior that we should have been encouraging. Yeah. I, I always thought that, uh, you know, I'm not into remaking classic films. But if you were to remake MASH, tell it from Margaret Houlihan's point of view. Yeah. Well, and... um. I, I listened to a couple like podcasts on war movies and I've read a bunch of stuff. And one of the things they said was it's so frustrating because if you look at it objectively and without all the horrible things they do to her, Margaret Houlihan is like this crazy strong character. Yes. Hmm. Career nurse, major in the army. Like she's, she's super into authority, which puts her against the swamp men and yeah. therefore, we hate her and don't respect her. But if you look at it from outside of that, she should be. I mean, compared that's to why most that's... of the women you get in war movies, yeah. she's that's, amazing. That's why I said, if you were to remake this from Margaret Houlihan's point of view, it's a story of someone who probably had to eat unbelievable mountains of sh**. And then she comes against a bunch of, you know, creepy misogynists who can't deal that they have to salute to a woman. Uh, do I want to edit in the A Few Good Men line? <laughs> uh, this is your podcast. I'm editing it up. There is nothing on this earth sexier, believe me, gentlemen, than a woman that you have to salute in the morning. Promote them all, I say. Yeah. Toxic masculinity is a thing. Yep, it is. White, white men in the 50s did not like having to give up any power. Let alone they have still a woman over them. They well, still don't. yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of a nice, fun, lighthearted way yeah, to get out of it. The next minute say, only man, gets worse. Man, uh, yeah, there's a hashtag it gets worse. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. We all have feelings for this movie, and they're complicated. Yes. It's the same thing as rooting for these guys. You want to be rooting for them. Like you said, the whole point of this scene is to show why Trapper is allowed to be the way he is, basically. Yeah. But uh, status, relationship, uh, relationship status here, it's complicated. It's complicated. Yes. Gonna look at my notes for next minute. Oh, look, it's just a bunch of crying faces. <laughs> oh. Oh. Despite the beautiful cell job we're doing on minute twenty-five, Sully, please do come back for the next minute. Oh, I, you have to, you have to bring me back because uh, I'm, I'm here to talk. All right, I, that's never been a problem with me. So, 
as anyone who's ever listened to any of my podcasts or guest things knows. And Megan knew, but is learning on a whole new level. I'm learning on a whole new level. And it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. That'll that'll be interesting. I'm along for the ride. After I make her do a Movies by Minutes podcast. (laughs) I'm along for the ride. We'll see what happens. Yeah, now, Sully Baseball. Do you just talk about every minute of baseball one minute at a time? Yes, exactly. I actually have a concept that I may do in the off-season after this year's World Series, after the Red Sox make it back-to-back. I'm toying with the idea of doing a podcast series where I take classic baseball games and I do it one inning at a time. Ooh. And to take some games where not just the, you know, the how the game unfolds, but also, you know, I've been watching some classic games from the 80s and listening to, you know, some of the Howard Cosell announcing, some of the Garagiola announcing, some of the things... Some of the things they cut to, some of the things that they do TV-wise, is fascinating to watch some of these games in the 80s. There's a, a, a thing that they do in a lot of the games that ABC used to announce, that they would cut to the wives a lot. They would have a camera on the wife, like mm-hmm. someone's at the bat, like Doug DeSensei's wife or, or you know, uh, Joe Morgan's wife. They cut to her and uh, to get her reaction. And Howard Cosell would always be kind of borderline creepy about it. You know, it would almost be like, and there's Clarice Morgan, wife of Joe, beautiful <laughs> Nubian princess, a absolute astonishing example of the feminine form, such supple lips. Such Okay, he didn't quite do that, but it was it got to the point where it was like, you're watching, yeah, you don't know them, Howard. Stop acting like you're, you're, you hang out with Bake McBride's wife all the time. And if you do... What are you doing there? You're 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 creepy. But you know, there's a lot of these games. I think would be fun to sort of break down not only how the games unfolded because a lot of times that's interesting to rewatch a game and see. Oh man, I forgot that thing happened. But also, I, I love watching. You know the subtle differences of how games used to be covered. I mean, how they were shot and then how they were. You know, some of the primitive technology that they had. And so I think that might be something, you know, because I don't have enough on my podcasting plate uh, for a fun thing to do in next year's offseason is to take a few classic games, get some baseball fans, talk about an, an inning at a time, not a minute at a time, because then, you know, we'll never get through a single game. But it would be, I think it would be fun to watch some of these on inning at a time. Yeah. And I've stunned everyone to silence. You stunned everyone to silence. Is it just you and me, Megan? I think it's just us. I think Tierney bought a header. If she runs off like this, it's usually oh, a I baby just, situation. I just, yeah, I just saw it in the chat. She says, be right back. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I just saw that too. <laughs> she, she left her own podcast. This has never happened to me. Suicide is painless. Oh, yeah. Oh, you, you're back. So, no, she's not back. I thought she was oh. back. I thought she was back, too. Oh. No, I found the TV show first and for a long time didn't realize that there were words to the song. And then when I found out there were yeah. actual words to the song, I was like, oh. Oh, this is yeah. a little dark. And then my sister's like, oh, you should see the movie. And I'm like, there's a movie? And yeah. I was like, oh, this is a very different beast. Okay. It really is. I mean, it's startling. 
It's very and startling. And then I read the book, so I kind of almost did it backwards, right? Like I, I think the book is awful. I just really do. I think the book is just, I don't know, maybe I just, I just didn't see the point of reading it, even though it's what it's based on. <laughs> it's what um, it's based on, yeah. Uh, but there's um, it's even it's we had so previous to you we had an actual catholic priest on oh to talk God. about dia Garen. Yeah. <laughs> um not my idea tyrannies but it went okay but he, at one point we were talking about how well it could be worse it, it could be the book and he's like oh the book and we're like yeah maybe you don't want to read that <laughs> yeah well, he even told us his mom was like why why are you going to do this podcast that's not a mash is not a movie a priest should watch and he's like oh now you tell me mom <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's one of these things that, that Mulcahy is treated with such reverence in this yeah. show. And oh, Meg, can you tell him why I'm going to hell? <laughs> I'm just mentioning how I didn't know for a long time the, the theme song had words. Yeah. Yeah, there's a reason There's for that. words and oops. <laughs> and, I, and then my sister was like, you need to see the movie. And I'm like, there's a movie? And then well, I read I can, the book. As for the book, uh, I can take it and leave it if you please. <laughs> what you did there, sir. Thank you, son. <laughs> All good. Yep. You <laughs> guys you know, guys. You, you guys know, I, yeah, uh, why don't you, why don't you uh, sign us off on this one? Come back next minute for me to complain about what might be my least favorite minute of MASH. 